0: Welcome to Mental Health and You. This podcast brings you the best information and advice from across the Norfolk and Suffolk Foundation Trust. Every fortnight, we will hear from one of our specialist areas, be it school and parent support, the recovery college, wellbeing, or research.
1: Welcome to the Psychology in Schools podcast. Today, I, Beth Mosley, consultant clinical psychologist, and here with Kelsey, who is another psychologist in the psychology and schools team. Hi, Kelsey. Hi. And we've got our guest here today, Kelly, who's a parent of two children aged 11 and 14. Hi, Kelly. Hello. And we're here today to talk about a really difficult topic: um, the war in Ukraine, and how do we talk to our children about this heartbreaking? devastating event which is affecting all of us in lots of different ways. So I'd like to start, first of all, with asking you a question, Kelly. What's your experience so far as a parent of talking to your children about the war? Well,
0: that's a really good question, actually. So um, we were talking quite openly about the potential invasion before it happened, But in a very like positive way, saying, "Oh, we don't think it will," but a bit of a bit of a bluff. And um, so, our next door neighbour Ivana is from Ukraine, so we kind of had this direct link with it all from the start by uh, talking to her. And even she was sort of saying, in front of the kids, like joking, saying, "Oh, I don't think it's going to happen. It'll deescalate, and my parents are going to stay there, and they're going to fight with their pots and pans and hands." And it was just a bit jokey. And then on that Thursday when it happened I think we I woke up in total shock and I think I as a parent upon reflection didn't handle that very well because I was very dramatic about it and like flapping around worrying about Ivana next door and of course it very quickly escalated into like the nuclear chat didn't it and again again I didn't really handle that very well because my children I wasn't to me I wasn't really kind of paying too much attention to how it was affecting them mentally and then I um there was a BBC alert saying Putin's mentioned the nuclear button and I kind of read it out in a dramatic way like oh my goodness we read this and then my 11 year old got really frightened and said nuclear war oh my goodness are we all going to die and it was then that I realized that oh my goodness they're really they're actually they're listening to all of this and You've got to be really careful, and then I completely changed my approach to it, and then, yeah, stopped dramatizing and just trying to bring it down a level, and then talking him down and talking about how, you know, it was actually very unlikely, and talked about then. Then we started talking about NATO in depth that we'd never done before. I was quite surprised at how much he knew about NATO actually from his um, history at school, and they do talk about politics a bit. But yeah, so um, I I didn't start it off well, and I'm having to. I'm kind of going back now, sort of, kind of digging myself out of a hole. By now, yeah, try, just providing more reassurance. Um, yeah, my daughter has has a has her own smartphone with the BBC News app. So yeah, when she's we I pick her up from the train station each evening, and we do chat every evening about what has been going on that day. But she seems um, quite level-headed about it and doesn't seem to have the anxiety that my younger does um she just seems to be a bit more grounded and um understands more of an understanding of what's going on sort of politically I suppose I don't know how how, how, how does that yeah. to how yours have reacted
1: well yeah like you I've got a spread of age 9 um 12 and 17 And yeah, you've mentioned a few things there, which I think will resonate with, well, resonate with me, certainly, and with a lot of our listeners. This experience as a parent, when you're finding stuff out that's shocking you and and scaring you and making you feel quite strong emotions, um, at essentially the same time as your children, and it kind of, it does remind me of the pandemic, that experience of our world essentially being turned up and down upside down and us not having any advance warning ahead of our children really so we were kind of going through the emotional experience um, with our children in front of our children and and it's it's really difficult isn't it to to manage those feelings and know how honest and open to be with our children about what's going on and how much to kind of cover up and pretend everything's okay and it sounds like you've worked really hard to get that balance right and I think that's that's really important and I'm sure lots of people will be wondering how do I manage that because just just like you I was my daughter was struggling at the very beginning before the war started with the anxiety of the war starting and, and again being an adolescent she was very preoccupied with how it would directly affect her and the, her closest people around her. Um, my nine-year-old was really quite oblivious um, but interestingly once the war broke out she was anxious again and she was looking to me for that reassurance for, for definite. But what I found really interesting was she just suddenly stopped worrying about it. And I asked her the other day, why? And she said, well, I kept going into school and saying to my friends, oh, we're all going to die and it's terrible and it's awful. Um, and then my friends just said, oh, shut up, Eva. You, We're not going to die. We're fine. Um, so stop being so melodramatic and get on with it. And she said, then I just stopped. being, And then I thought, OK, you're right. So, and I thought, isn't it interesting how... Our, well we know this is about adolescent development really is that children do listen to their peer group more than they listen to us a lot of the time so I guess it having those times to to talk to our children about what's going on in their peer group as well as what they're seeing on the news and picking up independently on their phones is really important because you're really relying on your children being part of a friendship group who are managing the anxiety about what's happening well or, or managing the trauma, really, because I do think some of the images that we're seeing are are very traumatic and it's hard not to stop kind of tears coming to your eyes, starting feeling overwhelmed with crying as soon as you do turn the TV on. And your children, of course, are witnessing that. And I think, you know, like you said, with, the, with our older children, they're able to kind of take a, a, a larger world view Um, and kind of think about this in the context of history and and what this means about humanity. Um, And then again, I think, you know, how do we manage, how do I manage this? I'm constantly thinking about it. How do I manage it in front of my 17 year old when I looked at the news and was starting to cry, but I was just hearing the distress in people's voice and seeing those images. Um, I thought I need him to understand that this is wrong and terrible and unjust and it fills me with anger as well as deep sadness um but i need it to be emotions that are manageable rather than unmanageable does that make sense so i'm feeling really strong emotions right here um as i should because that's completely appropriate to not feel anything w- would for me in my life would, would feel strange in a way um but it's it's giving the message that despite feeling such strong emotions I'm not falling apart you know I'm and I and actually kind of adding a dialogue that makes sense so you're kind of if you're displaying those emotions of distress it's kind of adding that narrative of why you know you know I'm so deeply sad that this is happening to people you know and it's so unfair and it's so unjust and that makes me feel so angry and helpless that I can't do anything about it And i think what we're doing then as parents is we're kind of modeling to our children Mm -hmm. you know the life is very difficult and unfair in some situations and that will make us feel very strong emotions and 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 that can that make sense um and it's that's okay and it's how we how we kind of deal with that 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 that's the important thing does
0: that kind of add up does that make sense it does and one thing i have noticed actually since it's happened we um well two things have happened first of all my the on the the week after the invasion my son sadly broke his ankle in football so he's kind of been much more off his gadgets and with us as a family because he can't get anywhere in the house but i because we've been talking quite openly every day about what's been going on in ukraine i think um as children they've both become a bit more aware of how fortunate they are at the moment at this point in time in their lives that actually life's okay and if i go back to 2 weeks before it all started i don't know there were little things going on at home like bickering and arguments about things that really didn't matter and i think it's making um them really reflect upon you know how yeah how fortunate they are and how like you say, helpless they are to help these children um, in Ukraine. I do think the the both their schools have been doing some fantastic sort of fundraising and um, uh, activities and things to sort of raise money and resources for Ukraine. And I think doing something practical did help them both kind of manage their emotions as well. Mm-hmm. That's a really
2: important point, isn't it? And that it's so lovely to hear that because I think so many schools in the community have really pulled together, haven't they? And and I guess what we know about those big feelings that we've all been talking about, you know, feelings like anxiety and and anger, actually they're telling us something really important and often what we know is really helpful as you've said there kelly is helping our children turn those things into actions those feelings into actions and doing those small things at school you know whether it's you know a bit of fundraising or wearing you know non-school uniform in in aid of ukraine is really really helpful And, and it reminds us and our children that we can all do things um to um feel better um and to remind ourselves i guess of um you know the, the importance of staying connected and reminding ourselves of hopeful stories and um you know the things that us as humans um can do for each other when it's such a difficult time that we're going through.
0: yeah I agree. I, agree. I think this uh, it's quite interesting because i um I was I think I got very upset on the Saturday um so what was like second or third day of the invasion. I went to visit our Ukrainian neighbor. And I wasn't aware of where her parents lived and they, live in, they were living in Kiev. And I, um, I, I, I was, I kind of, for the first time in my life, I was talking directly to a person who was directly involved in a war. And I'd never really cons- never thought about that at all. And I came back home and I, I had a bit of a cry in front of the family. And I said, that was the most harrowing conversation I've ever had with anyone in my life. These poor these poor people are like, they've dragged their bed to like the nearest stable, wall, the most stable wall in their house. And they've got all their belongings by the door ready to go. And it was just, I don't know, talking to someone whose family are there going through that was, it made it just so real. And it's so often when you watch things on the news, it's always, you're very far removed, isn't it? And I, I'm, you know, I watch the news all the time, but this is the first time I've felt really truly affected by a war that is happening and I think that's been the same with everyone I'm talking to it's um it feels very different this time
1: And, and I just think that going back to the idea of how do we talk to children of different ages around this is probably something parents especially parents if you've got a mixture of ages in your your household because it's hard to not be part of conversations if you're a young and you've got older children. Um so how do you how do you manage that? You know, talking to older children a bit more explicitly about it and they're going to be sharing the information they know about it. And we know teenage brains are basically wired to find out things for themselves. They don't like to be told stuff. So I guess that's where we can support them to make sure they're getting their information from from accurate sources and then we can provide that time To talk it through and just really practically what I've been trying to do is use later in the night when my youngest is in bed to have that time to talk it through or in a car journey with my daughter when I haven't got the other when the youngest in the car so that you're kind of providing this sorting space. You know, again, I've got to be in the right frame of mind. If I'm busy and rushing out the door or I'm really stressed, then I'm not going to be able to kind of have the helpful conversation, just be a space where those conversations can happen. And I guess with my younger child, what I've noticed is, is that I've I've supposed the way I've talked to him about it is much more simple and concrete. And and if he was a bit younger, I'd probably be going back to even more basic if you know something if someone takes something away that doesn't belong to them, it, it's not okay. And that's you know what's happening in this in this situation. Um but he's not been particularly openly interested at all. But what I have noticed is is his behaviour's changed a bit and it's not been as good. You, you know, he's been quite He's been more easily upset, more easily irritable. And so as so what I'm essentially trying to do is not force him to talk about what's going on, but instead just provide a bit more time with him in the evenings. I think a big challenge we have as parents is our children can be very happily independently on their screens. So they can just, you know, I've got three kids, and sometimes I would think I'm in the house and I on my own because they're all in their bedrooms just on their their you know, whatever it is, they're playing Minecraft or my daughter's just doing her, her phone with her friends and my son's doing my, on his PC. So and I think sometimes as a parent, when you're stressed and you're struggling, your availability tends to go down. And that's just at the point when your children actually need you more. And what I've noticed is that, you know, in those moments, I'm just so grateful that my kids are all just quietly busy doing something and they're not arguing. Because quite often when we all come together at mealtimes, that's when you just kind of think, oh, it's just always there's always someone arguing. That's when the stress of family life comes out. You know, this time which everyone else seems to be having a lovely dinner together for my family often tends to end up in big eruptions. So I guess what I've had to really consciously do, even though it's been quite hard for me because I felt exhausted from work and felt really emotional about what's happening in the world and unsettled about all the economic changes that are happening which will have a direct impact on on families you know and myself as well included I've had to I've had to make the effort to go to my nine-year-old and spend a bit more time with him And, and actually what I did was I went and got all of the board games you know I know we all did this down in lockdown didn't we well lots of people did I didn't but lots of people did and I got one of these like simple word games out and I just said to him should we play this tonight And honestly, I thought he was just going to go, don't be so ridiculous, mom. But actually, we got playing it and that he and he was just loving. And so I didn't require masses of effort from me because I was exhausted. But we were just together doing this kind of game, which wasn't going to be too difficult. So he wasn't easily going to get in a mood. Um, And in that hour that I ended up spending with him before bed, I just saw a complete change in his body language. And then we finished up and and it was like can we do this again tomorrow night and I thought this game is actually really boring (laughs) like it's making letters it's like making words out of scrabble blocks I was thinking how does this compare to Fortnite but he was like can we play this again tomorrow night I was like yeah definitely and I thought actually how easy was that and then I kind of went to bed as a parent feeling like oh I've had that quality time with him and and I just saw that little change in him that he relaxed and he just enjoyed being in my presence which I think sometimes we forget how our children just love our attention or our presence so much so I guess that's what I'd my message to parents would be is you know really clock your own stress levels and your own sense of not being so available to your children and try to consciously you know make a decision to simply change that you don't have to do anything other than sit next to your child and watch some, thing that they're interested in with them and just be next to them and often that's enough um so and I think that can really make a big difference because there's a such a degree of comfort and our presence really um and being relaxed around our children
0: yeah that's so true and um interesting that I've been since it's started my so my son and i have um i have these blocks of time where it's just me and one of the children so my daughter leaves to school at seven o'clock so i normally drop her at school but then my son and i have this special time where it's just us and we've been choosing to spend so that time of the morning we've been talking about you know what's what's you know what happened the day before and he's got a fantastic history teacher at school that he just clicks with so if we come across anything that I don't know the answer to, because I don't often actually, if I'm totally honest, my my history knowledge of um, various wars and things is probably not as good as my son's. So with good, I find that's a really good time to talk to him about it because then I know he can go to school where he can then quiz um, his teacher, who I call the walking Wikipedia, and ask him for any reassurances but then my daughter when we get home we have we then have time in the car together and we we tend to sort of sit and have since the war has started she's actually been asking me just to sit with her by herself in the kitchen to have dinner as opposed to being in the dining room so it's really like boys and girls divide in the evening but we have then just not always sat and talked about it but just had some quality time together and they're yeah the Since since doing that, putting that time aside with each of them, their yeah behavior, I do think now you've said that might have slightly improved. Um, I think that's really lovely, Kelly. And I think um, I was just
2: reflecting on as you were talking the different things that you're doing there for your children and how important each of those things are and just to reflect again when you sort of said you know when I don't have the answers myself because often you know we don't always have all of the answers do we especially with this ever-changing situation that we're sort of all going through and I think I'd really like the way you just sort of said you're just really honest with with your child and just saying I actually don't I don't know and let's go and find out I think that's so important isn't it and you know a message to all of our listeners um, really is you know just to be honest and open to not lie and and to find out together or or, you know use a teacher or other people who who might have more of that understanding um and i and i guess the other thing that that you said that i was sort of reflecting on is spending um different times with different children depending on you know when they might be calmer when they like to connect and actually finding that time to talk when it works for you but also them that time when things are calmer They know it's coming, you know it's coming. Um, It's so important with with these things and then just that connection um, together um is so so important isn't it in these times where we're all dealing with such high emo- emotions and different emotions um and as sort of Beth was saying as well that sort of any moment whether it be sitting in the kitchen or or playing a small game you know it's just those moments when they are distracted from what's going on and they're just having those calm and um you know those calm and happy moments with us it's so important and, yeah. and I think that
0: Sorry. Go, on. go on Kelly it's okay I'm just gonna say just um I, as a parent for years, believed that to be the best parent, we had to all be together as a family unit, all in the same room, all doing the same thing. And it wasn't until last summer that we had this disastrous family camping holiday. It was just the worst holiday in the world. We all cried. We all hated each other. It was dreadful. And and we then got home and I I then booked another holiday just for me and my daughter, just to go away just for two nights together. And I realised all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, my kids need me differently and it's okay to have a you know have time with just one because it's really I've I've been doing that ever since I have like days with one of them and I had to have separate days Mm -hmm. where I knew because well they have both emotional they have different emotional needs and life has got better since I've been doing that Mm, mm. And you're absolutely right isn't it it's about age gender
2: temperament and and knowing your children and and thinking about what do they you know what do each of them as individuals need you know at all times but you know particularly right now when when we're thinking about these sorts of issues
1: and i think that makes me reflect on um adolescence being a time where it is hard isn't it to split ourselves in so many pieces as a parent especially if we might be parenting on our own and, and that's where I really rely on because I because I am a single parent. I, well, I'm single in that I don't live with the children's father, but he is very involved in their life. So I'm massively grateful for that. And we're on the same page with guess on so many levels, which which is really valuable. Um, so I always feel it's a bit unfair to say I'm a single parent because I don't live with their dad, but he's very involved with their lives. But I guess what it means is that in the week I'm on my own with my children. I don't have another adult in the household to do the kind of pairing or or I can be with one child and the other adult can be with um, the other children. Um, So what I found really helpful is thinking about the friends and family members in my life who can support me and my children's network with providing those other opportunities for connection and learning and feeling valued as, as an individual so i i'm lucky i've got siblings and um and they have children too and i think it's your children having access to a range of trusted adults so that it sometimes in your own life especially if you're struggling it can feel like an enormous amount of pressure for you as the parent to get it right and I, and i just think when you, we think about how you know historically we would have brought adolescents up in communities we wouldn't they wouldn't be been relying on one single or couple of adults they'd have been relying on a community of adults to to bring them up and so i think sometimes you know we could, we can get stuck in that place of feeling like it's all on us and if we're struggling that can feel completely overwhelming and i just think it's important to remind people that you know bringing in and involving other important reliable people in your own life um, to enable your children to build relationships with those whether it's grandparents a really close friend or people who you can trust obviously can actually provide those opportunities particularly for adolescents because adolescents are, are trying to develop relationships out outside of, of yourself um, so I think that's just a helpful kind of reminder really to not feel like you failed if you if you're not the one who's able to do all of this um, because sometimes we have different events happening in our life that make it much harder for us to to be that that one person so the key i guess is noticing that and recognizing it and then kind of asking for help and again you know help what how have the people of ukraine you know survived what's been happening it's through help from others care and compassion and it's really hard that juxtaposition between people are creating the torment and the torture and the brutality and acting in such horrible ways that you can't get your head around it and other people are opening their homes they're they're sacrificing their lives they're they are doing things which are so brave and courageous um and I think it's it's we often get fixed on the stories of the bad stuff that's happening, certainly when we're looking at the news, but it's really about ensuring that we give enough privilege to the stories of kindness and compassion and hope, whether that's something that's happening in the Ukraine or in Poland right now, or if that's something that's happening within your own community because i think especially if you have a young person who might be be kind of predisposed towards low mood it can and even for us ourselves it can give us a real sense of hopelessness about life you know about what is what is the point of everything if this is the way people are going to behave and i think just those stories of hope um and Small acts can mean so much. Um, I just remember somebody saying somebody when they came over the border from Ukraine after queuing for hours, somebody gave them some chocolate and a warm drink and and w- received them warmly and with compassion. And that act in itself was just totally just a life-changing moment for that person who was so desperate so it's also important to remember that the it's small things it doesn't have to be a massive grand gesture it's those small acts of kindness and that feels more doable I think for us and for our
0: children as well. It's interesting what you just said there about um, talking to the children about you know the the positive things that are coming out of it and when you look at the news the news very rarely focuses on positives it's always The worst case scenario, things going on, isn't it? And I think as humans, we're kind of drawn to that stuff, aren't we? We have this sick nature we want to, we want to read about the bad stuff, don't we? Kind of, you know. I don't. Obviously, you guys are experts in in why we do that, but you don't really pick up BBC at the BBC News app and read about all the lovely things that people are doing. And you've made me really think that's what I'm. I need to be focusing more on that. That's a really, really good point.
1: I, you're completely right. I mean this is a real challenge isn't it for all of us i imagine at the moment is a sort of a sense of addiction to listening into the news Mm. and as as human beings we are basically designed to survive we're not designed to be happy we're designed (laughs) to survive all of our biological system is up for survival So naturally, you know, when we know there's a potential threat and there's something to be anxious about, we want to get the information so that we can make some decisions which will make it more likely that we'll survive. So it is a very natural way our brains work. We have a negativity bias in order to protect us. And we also know that if we're looking at our screens, our brains are programmed, so we'll stare at things that make Mm -hmm. us angry, you know, so feeling angry and upset, we're more likely to keep scrolling. Um, So if it's enraging, it's engaging essentially, and I guess that's why it's so important for us to to kind of recognise that's what's happening and I and keep things in perspective, because of course we could all be affected by this war if Putin makes a catastrophic decision around a nuclear um, kind of attempt, you know, of course we are genuinely probably all in the most jeopardy we've been in, I would say, and in my lifetime as you know as a nation because i've been living in relative safety certainly compared to many other countries in the world who've been dealing with war throughout the the last few decades and and it hasn't been such so on our agenda as this war war has um so i guess we have to keep it in perspective and ensure that we don't become so consumed and addicted to tracking what's happening that it actually becomes really unhelpful for us. And in fact, instead of helping us survive, which is what we're programmed to pay attention to these things to do, what it actually means is we're we're, we're moving into kind of not engaging with our life as fully, when we're, we're actually not thriving, we're not able to be as helpful to our family and to ourselves, we're not able to look after ourselves. So there is something about employing that self-discipline to give ourselves a a, you know a little bit of time with the news maybe and then turn it off knowing our brains are programmed to just keep wanting to watch and actually my daughter started turning she's comes in the kitchen and sometimes I'm feeling like doing the washing up I'll put the news on which I would never normally do but I certainly did it during COVID I'll put the news on to see what's happening um, and then my daughter just comes in the kitchen turns it off and and actually I kind of feel a bit grateful to her because I can feel that need in me but that need in me isn't necessarily helping me kind of look after myself and ultimately if i'm stopping doing the other activities that mean i keep my well-being good if i'm not taking the dog for a walk or i'm you know i'm not connecting with my children because i'm so preoccupied with with what's going on um, or not having a conversation with my friend or or someone else then i'm actually kind of this is really affecting me and it's not helping me survive it's actually doing the opposite thing so that kind of makes sense
0: yeah i was getting into the habit of I'm still quite bad at this, actually. I was saying this probably because I started recording. I have been waking up every morning throughout the whole last three weeks and my alarm goes off, which is on my phone. And then I'm immediately looking at any updates on BBC News. I'm starting my day like that. And then um, I've always been a bit of a happy radio station person. So I've always need a bit of Chris Evans in my life in the morning. Mm-hmm. So in my 7 to 7.30 car journey, I've always got Chris Evans on. But I've been having BBC like world service instead. So I've been start setting up my day in a really negative way. And then I was then coming home and in between client Zooms, having just on in the background BBC News. And obviously, like you say, so addictive. And, th- you know, from in that six hour period that was on in the background at home, there was nothing really changing. I was listening to the same report just being repeated in a different way. And I was I became completely addicted. When my when my son actually broke his his leg, it was quite well. it wasn't good for him. Obviously, he's not very happy, <laughs> but um, it almost like broke that broke the chain of me being so hooked on watching the news because I, I didn't want to have him watching the news all day. So that is I do think that I have become more productive and helpful and happier and therefore a better mum. Um, over the last couple of weeks for not having the TV on all day
1: and I guess we you know I'm thinking of the people you know anyone who's experiencing their life as being torn apart and the trauma of that right now thinking imagining, what would it feel like to listen to us right now because it we're in such a you we're, we're so blessed aren't we and and we can turn the TV off and do something and not be completely preoccupied by it. And I guess if, if we're feeling masses of guilt about that, which I am feeling so grateful for the privileges I have in my life and the freedom I have and the fear I don't have to live with, I, that, like you said earlier, like just a realization of that gratitude, you know, and at the same time with that gratitude, I'm also feeling guilt around how privileged I am and and you know that I'm so grateful I am not in that position in my life but I guess what I I learned on the one a couple of weekends ago was I'm not going to use this guilt energy and this this energy of kind of just being obsessed with watching the news for a long time and trying to take in as much information I'm going to try and use this energy to do something helpful for other people. And I'm really lucky because in my job I can do that. So I I thought, right, I'm going to write an article about, you know, that weekend. I thought, I'm going to write an article about how to talk to your children about the Ukraine war. And I'm going to think about what our team can do. Record a podcast, run a parent workshop, and I'm now going to think about what is our serv- what are our services doing to support refugees that come into this country? So luckily in my job, I can turn all of that energy into something that is more helpful. And then immediately it helps me feel like I'm turning my feelings into sort of some kind of helpful actions. Um, and I guess everybody can do that in one way or another if they're having that same struggle, because then immediately that act of feeling like you're making a valuable contribution, um, makes you feel better. It's just it's kind of as soon as I thought I'm going to write this article, I had a sense of massive relief because I'm doing something. I don't feel so helpless. I don't feel so out of control. Um, so I don't know if for both both you and Kelsey have have had a similar experience of turning your your those sorts of feelings into something helpful.
0: Yeah, I think on on World Women's Day because I'm hugely into women's physiology and health with my job i um it so, sounds so such a simple thing but i i um i used the link that well the world women's day main site had which was for um sort of helping the the ladies and the the girls in ukraine sort of f- f- in future years i sort of posted that and it was um tiny 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 thing but it did lift me a bit and it made me feel less, like you say, felt so guilty, so so fortunate. And um, I've had to keep giving myself like reality checks. And when I've been getting really sort of um sort of down about Ukraine, I've had, had to keep telling myself, but Kelly, you're, you know, you know, you're not the one who's going through this. Yeah, tell it do you gotta do something positive with it? I still keep thinking I need to do, I keep thinking about um, Doing um, a sporting event because I'm a I work in sport, so I'm thinking, what can I do that's productive that's going to help people? I need to have a grand plan for this because um, this is going to be an on you know ongoing crisis. Mm-hmm. Need because at the moment there's so much isn't there right now that's kind of going their way. This needs 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 to be some like long standing, sustainable actions to support them over the coming coming years absolutely and I, and i think
2: you know based on what you guys are saying i can completely relate relate to that i think for a long time i felt really yeah i think guilt was my biggest emotion actually just feeling you know that I, i'm so so lucky lucky and privileged um And actually, my my dad in the local community has been doing a a lot of fundraising. Um, And actually, that's what helped me really that I, you know, I I could get involved with that. But also it just restored my faith in humanity and those small acts of kindness that we've been reflecting on. And and also just seeing um, photos of what schools are doing and and local children. I I saw this morning that lots of children have just been writing letters of hope and love and kindness to to other children in Ukraine. And and that really was heart warming and I I think you know thinking about what we can do but also you know supporting our children with those big feelings and helping them to turn those into helpful actions you know small things you know that they can do to help feeling like they're making a difference um, I think is is so important isn't it because we know that helps us so it's going to help our children as well.
0: Yeah absolutely Our, our children have asked well my husband and I did speak about it a few weeks ago sort of tentatively about um, you know um, sort of having you know hosting a refugee family here um so we've probably got a little we've probably got enough room and the children uh, we didn't say anything to the children and they both independently said could we host a refugee family and we said sort we of have actually been thinking about that so um do you know what it's I, I i don't know it's been it's really made my husband and i reflect about our family and what we've got and our family values thinking about bringing in another family that just feels the right thing to do so luckily our neighbor over the way she her parents have got out of ukraine and they're they're just waiting for the green light to come and live um live next door and i'm really looking forward to meeting them but um it's going to be really it's going to be really nice for the cho- uh, my children to meet them and to I don't know. It's just, I just. It's going to be a great moment for them to see that some hope, some positivity. Mm-hmm. So these have, you know, they've, you know, they've, um, they're they're safe and they're they're with family and sort you know, it's, it was worked out well for them. But um, mm-hmm, yeah, this space though.
2: And and I guess those stories are so important as well, aren't they? You know, like we've been talking about, we're drawn to those, you know, those really awful things that are happening right now. And it's about trying to get that balance that, you know, the importance of, of, you know, being mindful of how much time we're looking at those things and how much our children are as well. But then also balancing that with these more positive stories, those acts of kindness um, is really, really important, isn't it, to, you know, for us and, and our children.
0: I think one of the really interesting things, though, for me that I've been listening to my children talking about, and that is how they've never really hugely been engaged in politics because they're quite young. And, um, you know, they're probably joked around about politicians they've seen on television and things. But they've been so impressed with Zelensky. I mean, I mean, think we all have. And it's really, really in love with him. He's <laughs> amazing, and it's been really interesting hearing them compare him as a man, as a role model. I'm not going to go to politics now, but compare him to some of the people we've got in our country, high in politics, and yeah, they're kind of they're without us getting involved in that discussion It's made them really think about you know what kind of people should be should be ruling the world. So I had a had a chat with the kids last weekend, and I because I was listening, listening to them talking about it, and I said in all in all kind of um, roles in life, there's like there's there's like red tape and there's bureaucracy and there's levels and standards you have to attain to be these senior roles. But in um in politics, that kind of kind of goes to the wayside a bit, doesn't it? And too much, it's all about you know it's, it's about the wrong things, and I think they've really engaged with this with this guy and just thought wow this is um we could all do with someone like him (laughs) absolutely I think he's an inspiration
1: and you know if anyone's interested in leadership I mean he you couldn't he is the walking living breathing representation of a good leader isn't he and I think there are opportunities here for our children to learn so much about the realities of life but also about what it takes you know to to look after others to fight for injustice to you know be a good leader Um, and so hopefully there will be stories which will be inspiring and will will lead our young people to being more balanced in in their views and, and also be less focused on their immediate kind of world and and our older children have a a broader world view although I do have to work hard to not say to my daughter when she's complaining about some completely normal teenage problem like me dropping her in one place rather than another so she has to walk for five minutes I have to bite my lip to say there are children who've walked for miles with no food and no water. How can you be so selfish? I've had to work so hard to not use some of these stories to to kind of, you know, shame my child for being a typical adolescent. Um, and, and I guess it's a hard. It's easy to fall into that trap, isn't it? So thank you so much for our discussions today. I guess you know what we're what we've all articulated is in so many ways the The task of being a parent right now is very simple, although it's really hard. It's about having calm, open, practical discussions whilst keeping up our family's usual routines and actually maybe improving our availability. So we might actually make ourselves more available in some small ways. And that is going to be the most effective way to make our children feel safe during this tricky time. So thank you, Kelly, and and thank you very much, Kelsey, for joining us for this discussion today. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe. It's free and means the podcast will automatically download every fortnight. Do rate and review our podcast and follow our social media accounts. They're all in the show notes. And more than anything, Look after yourself.